amplified. We're back. We are so back. This is part two of the conversation we had with uh, Rekha Basu, uh, well-respected journalist here in Des Moines. She works for the Des Moines Register. She's an opinion columnist for the Des Moines Register. So, so if you haven't heard the first one, go listen to that and then come back because the conversation, uh, it's, uh, it just keeps getting better and better and better. So she interviewed um, Michelle Obama, Bernie Sanders. She's interviewed big names on both, you know, Democratic, Republican authors and all that stuff. So I'm really excited about that. So, But Trump's got COVID now. Uh, yeah, COVID. How weird is that? When? How, this is, it's funny. I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for somebody that, I mean, it's too ironic to ignore the funny inside of it, right? I mean, or... Yeah, I see. I definitely see the irony in uh, him getting it. I still think after he comes through, I think he's gonna get better. He's still there's no changing. I mean, he's probably gonna still be. His approach is not gonna be like this no profound experience. Do you really think he's gonna change? I don't know. Um, so there's that guy uh, Boris Johnson from England, mm-hmm. and I mean he. He's one of the leading voices, right. you know, behind Brexit. Yeah. You know, he came around yeah. big time. That dude came around. I mean, he got really, really sick. and Oh, like totally, his approach? Yeah. Okay. He totally came around and... I guess we'll see like, then. Oh, you know, the National Health Service, okay. blah, 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 all, all right. this, you know, it, it was... Well, I'll, I'll, hold my, I'll hold my thoughts then until... But I, I doubt it. I think uh, that we faith. can all hold our thoughts, you know. <laughs> I think uh, we're at a time where... Everybody feels their opinion is so important. I think that, that we need to take a couple steps back. Okay. Yeah. And so let's wait and see. You know what? Okay, before we get to the conversation, we're going to get there very soon. But, and maybe I'll just throw this out there. I mean, people know, but I went to buy an, uh, an inhaler uh, that has steroids in it. I don't have insurance. It's $300. 300 bucks? Yeah. Ugh. And then, so I need two inhalers, and the other one was like. Wait, you're talking about that little tank, the little, just little. Yeah, like an inhaler, like. Yeah. Oh, three hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, I can afford it, but you know, it made me think like. People that can't afford it, how do you, and don't have insurance? Well, you're pretty much fucked. Um, Right. I mean, it. This is what, you know, a lot of people might think it's mm. very radical to say, but, you know, really the health industry is a legalized form of extortion. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, what what is the crime here? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody comes up to you and is like, hey, give me money. And if you give me money, I provide protection. Yeah. I mean, if you put it into those terms, that's that is extortion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's like a legal form and, mm-hmm. you know, they just put like a... I don't know. Insurance is a nice term for <laughs> yeah. extortion, but that's. In my and case, if, I guess. if you're like the type of person that works in the health, you know, insurance, you might be like, "Hey, what the fuck you're saying, bro?" You mm-hmm. know, but I don't know. It just yeah. seems kind of like why do you have to make money out of people's fears? Mm-hmm. You know and what I mean? Still, and on the other side is the the pricing of all this 
pharmaceuticals and medicines and all that stuff is is un, it's unreachable to to a lot of people. I'm lucky that I'm able to all right, 300 bucks like when the they literally tell you at Walgreens they're like, "Are you aware of the price?" and I'm like, "No." What is in and she's like 300 bucks. I you know, I was trying to act cool uh-huh. and but you know, I was like, "Yeah, you got all fucking I, I, pale." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we shouldn't be laughing about that. No. But... So it was just something that I wanted to throw out there for people to, you know, to think about. Think about that. And pe- people think think about um, people yeah, but, that can't you know, afford at, it. At the same time, there's a lot of people that are perfectly fine with it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that are, yeah, I, I don't give a shit. Yeah. That's you know, up. like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fuck it. Yeah. I don't care. You know? It is what it is. So it is what it is. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. All right. Some Something for people to talk about then. All right, so this is uh, part two of the premiere of the second season two of the Amner Martinez podcast. So here, little by little, we're going to start unveiling more details of big plans that we have coming up. But for now, enjoy the conversation with this great journalist, Rekha Basu. So there's there's this pushback, and um, we're... Would you agree that we're at a tipping point? Yeah, definitely. Culturally? Yeah, in so many ways. Culturally, socially, politically, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my God. I, I feel like in my lifetime, we've never been in such a bad way before right. with, with it, our leadership. It, because every president, when there's a president's run, you know, they're always like, this is the most consequential yeah, election. election. Yeah. And like, you always hear that. Yeah. But this is really... I think this is really one because we could it could pivot back into a little bit more like, okay, let's kind of um, Mm -hmm. tamper down on the racist stuff or it can just, you know, a confirmation of what's been happening. Exactly. So my question to you is, do you do you see a lot of your peers getting out to vote, being mobilized? Do you think that, you know, last night I was talking to somebody here at BLM and I said I have to get. Um, going because of the convention, I have to watch that. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Oh, you know, that's like," he said, "I hate watch that mm-hmm. a little bit." And I thought, I'm not sure how to take that, but does that mean you're going to vote, or are you going to vote? Right, 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 you know? right, right. And I think the object is really this time, if ever there was a need to churn out mm. as many voters as possible who have a head on their shoulders and right. who think for themselves, mm-hmm. this is it. Yeah. So what do you see? So I so. Bernie made a big effort in approaching the Latino community and the Latino vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so the excitement was there. So I saw a lot of mobilization. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Biden doesn't excite that yeah. as much. Yeah. Um, but I'm one of the thought of like, f- that's fine. You know, um, I do l- like that Kamala came into the picture because that creates some excitement, a little bit of new blood. and. Yeah and a new look at what the administration would look like. Um, but yeah, no, th- there's, th- there's, there's definitely a lot of work that should be done. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, 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 voters that are like, you know, what are they throwing us a bone? You mm-hmm. know, what are you, what is, what has Biden, uh, proposed? Or, I mean, I'm sure they're going to start, you know, mm-hmm. getting a little bit more aggressive here, but, um, I think the Democratic uh, Party did a, a little uh, online um, that I that I watched mm-hmm. with five African American kind of leaders here, and they were very, you know, 
what have you done for me? You mm. know, what is the what is the party doing for us to get the vote? And and somebody asked, is abs is not voting an option for you? And and a good chunk of them said, yeah, uh, not voting is a form of protest. And I was like, oh no, not you know. This so year. that's not right, 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 right. I'm I'm with you, but yeah. but there is some of that. You know, they're protesting and they're they they want change and. Um, but I don't blame them a little bit because there has to be a little bit more than just, you know, yeah. uh, getting there has somebody to be of some color. concrete yeah. steps that they are promising to take. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I'm all for third party candidacies, mm-hmm. but the year that Ralph Nader ran was the year of Bush Gore. Right. Where there right. was that hanging chads and ballots and it ended up mm-hmm. going to Bush, although it looked like Gore had won it because a lot of the vote was splintered off by mm-hmm. Nader. And I just think there are times for that and then times when it's just not tolerable. I mean, just think right. if Gore had won, we wouldn't have been in Iraq. We wouldn't have been in Afghanistan, hopefully. Mm-hmm. You know, none of this would have happened. We wouldn't have lost so many people. And the same thing now, if people are going to sit out this election or vote for a third party, and I don't know that there's much I third think party. Kanye is right. Yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> please. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's there's. People are thinking like maybe Kanye is doing it to help Trump, you know, uh-huh. and steal some votes from. Uh, uh, it, so people yeah. don't understand the impact of not voting. Yes, you exactly. know, Hillary. A lot of Bernie voters didn't vote for Hillary, so yeah, Hillary Hillary could have won, but so so not voting. Yeah, you are also voting. You're yeah. saying something without you exactly without your vote, and then you end up in this situation. And this is not a tannable presidency. It's just not. Yeah, it's. And, and I don't think people see. I mean, I would say that by now, a lot of Trump supporters would, uh, or people that voted for him for the economy, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was their one of their big reasons. Like, oh, I'm not yeah. racist. Yeah. Uh, and he says things, but the economy. But now it's just like, what is your reason now? Exactly. You know, what is your reason now behind your vote? And especially the way that he has mishandled this pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Look at all the lives that could have been saved if mm-hmm. he had said from the beginning, everybody must wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Take this seriously. Your mm-hmm. life is at risk. Your family's lives are at risk. He refused to do that. He refused to even acknowledge that mm-hmm. it was really an illness. Yeah. And, and the same thing is permeated down to state levels where you can see the numbers of cases and of deaths rising in Republican-governed states mm-hmm. because people will not order masks to be worn mm-hmm. or cautions to be taken. And that's just so sad. As a journalist, yeah. do you... Um, do you get to pick like what you're going to write about right now? Right yeah. now you have full control of what full you're control, talking about. Right. How do you balance your topic? Because there's so much going on right sure. now. Sure. Well, first of all, I try to keep a good mix of different subjects. So I don't want to mm-hmm. harp on the same subject all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I try to write about things that have some local impact mm-hmm. or local import that affect people here, that people will read because they feel affected by it. You know, the the critiques of Trump are a dime a dozen out there. Right. There's so many commentators <laughs> writing about Trump. Yeah. But I if I have something unique to say based mm. on my background experience knowledge, then I'll then I'll use that, even if it's a national subject. But otherwise I do a lot of reporting for my for my column topics, even though not mm. all columnists do. Often it's just, you know, their own thoughts. Um, and I want to make it relevant to people here. 
So some of, I mean, right now I'm really interested in police tactics against mm. Black Lives Matter protesters. Yes. I think that they have gone too far from Just what I'm yesterday saying. they barged into uh, Urban Dreams. And, exactly, and exactly, mm. and, and barged into some houses. And I understand that some people have gone into hiding knowing that they're looking for them. And now I hear, um, you know, that their efforts to suppress free speech and thought in what they're posting online. Mm -hmm. So why is this happening? It's not legal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just had a column in yesterday's paper about a journalist who had spent um, most of his professional career in the Middle East, mm -hmm. in countries like Jordan and Syria and Egypt and Gaza, writing about war and conflict, and over here in Des Moines, just trying to cover these protests, he was arrested. He's never. He said he's never seen this kind of repression mm -hmm. of journalists as he has here. Isn't that crazy? We're yes. talking about authoritarian, repressive states. Yeah, this is third world country behavior. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. It's, yeah. it's total authoritarianism. You know, we come from countries that we know that governments collapse and we know that right. there is dictatorship. And, yeah. And we know that they silence media and kill journalists and all that stuff. Yep. And I think that a lot of people are taking it for granted here and they don't see how close, like mm -hmm. it just edges closer and closer to that behavior. Like if you see that behavior from, you know, that journalist, you know, mm -hmm. or anti-media and, mm -hmm. you know, journalists getting arrested and mm -hmm. um, protesters being targeted, you know, there's that behavior. People like us, we kind of see it like, hey, that we've seen this before. Right. Exactly. It's getting there, it happens. you know, so yeah, be careful. I know. I know. And I think, uh, for one thing, there's this kind of inherent conflict of interest. Like, if you're a journalist, you're told, do not write about yourself. Don't cover yourself mm -hmm. or something that will benefit you or something that you're too close to if you sit on a board or whatever. So we're not allowed to sit on boards. But look at the police. I mean, they are basically enforcing the law against people who are protesting police behavior. Mm -hmm. And there is a natural alliance of police all over the country. Mm -hmm. And police feel very indignant that they're being characterized as racists, mm -hmm. as, you know, as a group. And, you know, some of them are just determined to shut these people up yeah. and show them who's who. and, and flex Even though there's statistics and studies and, you know, that show that there right. is right. disparities between, you know, exactly. blacks and whites and Latinos, how they... Exactly, exactly. But they get their they get their backs up. And so they shouldn't be the people who are enforcing the law against mm -hmm. them. There should be some other organization, but not the police force. So or the, their bosses, the mayors, you know, the city councils right. should be exercising some sort of control. So as a journalist, so you do you uh, do you interview some? Are yes. you, and how, how do they what's the behavior? How do they is there welcoming? Is it, you know... Um, I would say it's not always welcoming. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, I mean, I the questions that I ask are fact-based. Is okay. there a policy to do this? How do you um, apprehend people when they're just standing there and not doing anything mm -hmm. a mile away from where you just ordered a dispersal order at the Capitol? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's the reason for that? And they'll tell you that they did other things or they'll tell you whatever. But... It's not, I never, I try to really avoid having confrontational kinds of sure. interviews. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there's some people who will not, a lot of people who, when they know that your position is different from theirs and it's going to be challenged, mm -hmm. they will not submit to an interview. And okay. So, for example, Trump, the president, when he was campaigning in the Iowa caucuses the first mm -hmm. time, 
He refused, absolutely refused to meet with the Des Moines Register's editorial board. He was the first presidential candidate ever to do that. In all of these years that we have been interviewing presidential Mm -hmm. candidates, he decided that he didn't like us because we had had some critical um, editorials about Mm -hmm. him. And so he wouldn't let me in. And word was given at his rallies that, you know, by name, that if you are so-and-so, you're not going to be allowed in. So we weren't allowed in. Yeah. So things like that make it very difficult to get. I always try to reach out to the other side. It's just a right. matter of professionalism to mm-hmm. do that and get their viewpoint. But if they won't speak, they're not doing themselves any favors. Mm-hmm. They just look guilty. Yeah. <laughs> right. Then yeah. why don't you engage? Why yeah. don't you engage? I mean, engagement is, is at the core of our ability to live together and understand each other. Yeah. And I, I think, um, well, you're a journalist. I'm just somebody that just likes to ask a lot of questions. But we hold the f- the First Amendment, like, just as much as the, and I, you know, my brother has a gun, and I've thought about buying a gun. You know, it's mm-hmm. not I'm not anti-gun, mm-hmm. um, but some people hold that Second Amendment Second so Amendment. like they wrap around oh, yeah. themselves around it. But when yeah. it comes to the First Amendment, I guess we like pick and choosing which amendment we. We wanna I mean, it depends behind. on who the players are, right? right? right this right. gun lobby is very influential. They have a lot of money, and they support a lot of political candidates, mm-hmm. and the political candidates pay them back. Mm-hmm. You know, like Joni Ernst, for example. I mean, she takes a lot of money from different influential groups, mm-hmm. corporate lobbyists, and she repays them with, with her votes. It is said, and I believe that that is true, and I've seen... How do you think she's going to do? Because um, King... Gladly. I mean, it took years. Yeah. But finally, that district, maybe they've said, you know, we want to keep the the seat so Steve's not going to get it. So they're going to try another rebellion. But how do you think she's going to do? So, first of all, I think that Steve King's seat, I mean, J.D. Scolton came really close last Last time around within three percentage points. But this time, because the primary in that area, the Republican primary, was won by someone who is... Um, really shares King's core philosophies on a lot of issues. Uh-huh. Maybe not the hate mongering and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he has a pretty good chance of getting elected in his place. So, mm-hmm. you know, whereas some Democrats will say if he hadn't gotten elected, then maybe this one in the primary, then maybe um, Scolton would have had a better chance. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably true. Okay. I think that Steve King just became ineffectual because he was taken off all these committees because mm-hmm. he became a national oh, laughing okay. stock and yeah. embarrassed Iowa. But I, his territory is still very, very deep red. Mm. On the other hand, I found before the last election, I went out there and interviewed a number of Steve King voters. Mm-hmm. And you were asking about Trump voters. And yes. yeah, Steve King voters, same uh-huh. thing. Yeah. And what I found was... There were mothers, for example, white women who had adopted um, African babies or black babies and said they just could not. It just really riled them up to hear the way he talked about black people Mm -hmm. or African people and that they couldn't support that anymore. You Mm -hmm. know, so for very personal reasons, it has it has to kind of hit you personally. Yeah. And it was their families that they felt were under threat. So Mm -hmm. they were not voting for him. Yeah. But, you know, it's a slow do, you, do you think Joni Ernst, she's pretty safe on her seat? Joni Ernst? No I don't think so. I think it's really going to be close. I think okay. it's really, really going to be close. Yeah. It'll be an interesting one to watch. I mean, even Trump, you know, in this state, he's two points ahead right now. Really? Yeah, he's two points ahead. That's wild. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I used to think, I used to say, you know, 
I live in a progressive state. Like yeah. there's, it's a swing state, which means you know that you don't fall, f you know, you don't fall for just anybody. You know, we think about our vote and all that stuff. And um, but you know, I'm starting to not feel that way anymore. But I have hope. I mean, I love it here. So this is a new time. How how would you right now in real time, or maybe if you're 10 years from now, how will you characterize this time? It's a discouraging time right now. I have to say. Um, I find encouragement in the people who are willing to speak up and speak truth to power like these protesters, mm -hmm. but generally voters are going for really extremely conservative positions, mm -hmm. and I think that that has a lot to do with our growing diversity mm -hmm. as a country, to do with cultural changes like recognition of same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. A lot of it has to do with abortion. That's still a really, really big yes. divider in mm -hmm. this country. I think if the abortion issue were not on the table, that a lot more people would be voting Democratic. Frankly. Yes, yeah. So how to bridge that divide, how to come to some kind of a balance, uh, declare you know a truce over the abortion issue somehow. Mm -hmm. And I think the way to do that is for people who really don't want abortions to support then forms of birth control and mm -hmm. forms of pregnancy prevention and actually fight for that. But that's not happening either is the problem. You know? Because the, the, a lot of uh, um, immigrants, I would say, so Latinos, Hispanics, African Americans. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of religion in in our yes. in our culture, and yes. abortion is just no. So that that's right. That's a big factor. Like you hit a key thing there yeah. because abortion is getting people that they're like, all he's saying is crazy, but because he, you know this abortion issue, right. they're holding on right. to that. Don't. Exactly, and it's and it comes down to Supreme Court appointments, right? That they want a president who is going to appoint mm -hmm. point someone who's going to overturn Roe versus Wade. Right. And I think it's such a shame because if you think about how babies are treated once they're born, you know, there's so much child abuse. Mm -hmm. And then when they get into the foster care system, they don't do well. I mean, we've seen horrible cases of kids here being starved to death because they were with very dysfunctional, abusive parents or foster parents or adoptive parents. And you know, why don't we think more about elevating the standards of poor people who are on this earth rather mm -hmm. than that every pregnancy has to end in a childbirth? That's for people who are religious, for people who care about the welfare of children and families, that should be the factors that are stressed, right? Mm -hmm. Think about the people who are here and take better care of them. And let people practice birth control. Mm -hmm. Let them control the size of their families so that you don't have children being born who are unwanted mm -hmm. and face incredible odds. In 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 a in a historical so we remember the, the Great Depression and and the sixties, the you know, this the cultural um what was that called? Uh like a um, subculture kind of uh right, the anti counterculture movement, like the, the counterculture counter right, movement. Right. Is this one of those moments of that is that that magnitude this this year specifically with the pandemic and the presidential race and all this? I guess it is, but I think that there are so many other factors going into it. You know, mm -hmm. it was pretty when you know when I look back on the '60s, it was like pretty black and white. You know, mm -hmm. you're either for the war or you're against the war, mm -hmm. or the civil rights movement. You're mm -hmm. either for equal justice and equal rights or you're not. 
now, partly because of some of the stuff that we've been talking about, the QAnons and the conspiracy mm. theories and all, people who should be voting in their own economic interests are often not mm -hmm. because they're voting in the interests of their religion instead when it yes. comes to something like abortion. Mm -hmm. But they're people, you know, but then they end up voting for someone who doesn't support unions when mm -hmm. they're a working person. And it's, you know, so then they're voting against their own economic interests where wages are going to be kept down mm -hmm. because this sort of false sense of morality, whether it's about same-sex relationships or or abortion, you know, what is what is morality? I think we have to all ask ourselves, really, yeah. what is morality? Because mm. there is an economic morality, too, that's mm. very important. And it's not just in these highly personal issues mm -hmm. of, you know, what I can do with my body. So I think that there are just so many different tugs. And then, and then there's hypocrisy. In Steve King country, for example, there are a lot of undocumented workers who are plainly working out there in these mm -hmm. agricultural farms, and everybody knows it, but he talks about getting tough on undocumented immigrants, and people yeah. think, oh, yeah, well, he's hard on that, so I'll vote for him. Yeah. So, you know, they're just layers of truth and layers of fiction and how mm -hmm. people get elected. Yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated to be a voter right now. I can't vote yet. Um, yeah, I'm on my way. I'm, I, yeah. I'm, I think maybe next year I'll be able to vote, but um, but it's got to be a tough, right? Because we, I think the labels have hurt us a lot. Yeah. That, you know, because yeah. I see um, abortion one way, but then I see the, uh, the uh, Constitution you know, like the First Amendment, I see it one way. The, mm -hmm. the Second Amendment, I, you know, I'm all for it. But, you know, like, mm -hmm. let's calm down on the, right, on the, right, exactly. on the machine guns, you know. Um, there's no, but I think the label is like, if you don't, if you say that there should be some gun control, then you're anti-gun. Exactly. Immediately you get put into that liberal label. Exactly. Or if you're like, hey, um, women should have a choice, you know, mm -hmm. like, let them decide. Mm -hmm. Well, you're a liberal, so it's like. Right. You're just Baby tossed. Killer. Yeah, we just toss into this. And then, I mean, we might be doing the same thing to some of the Republican side where we're like, yeah. um, you're pro-life, then you're, you know, this. And then so yeah. it's, it's um, we've labeled, we've hurt each other. Um, and the leaders are not helping, obviously. No, they I mean, they pick on that and then they just kind of make us all riled up. In some ways, it would be better if we had no parties, no political parties. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, imagine that. How would we have elections? How would we do it? But imagine if people could just vote on the basis of their values mm -hmm. and vote for issues. I don't know. I don't know how that would work. I don't know where, if that's ever been done is, anywhere. Is, is Bernie wrong when he just wants to do, like, a lot, a lot of radical changes that to, to people are like, that's crazy. Bernie's crazy. We're not going to do that. He's is there a revamping wrong. of, of some mean, kind of systematic change that just you really... You mean like the Green New Deal or like... Yeah, yeah he's not wrong at all. It's absolutely needed. We like uh, the so much money that goes into politics, right? That That's just pervasive. Just like, from it. I know, mm. but I mean, a lot of this is going to depend on who's on the Supreme Court, who's going to make these rulings, who's in Congress. I mean, that's a really important place where things have to be begun. And I'm so excited that there are people like AOC mm -hmm. in Congress and this new group, the tribe of, you know, women who are really thinking more radically mm -hmm. about changing the structure of how politics is done and funded and all of that. Yeah. Because it has to be. It has to happen. Yeah. Bernie is absolutely right about that. 
I think her name is Maria Inojoso. Yes, yes. So she does uh, by the numbers. Um, and I think the projection is by 2050 or something yeah. uh, that, um, you know, white people are going to be yeah, the minority, the minority mm -hmm. which is a very interesting um you know, show that she does, and it just breaks it down. There's no agenda there. She's just literally breaking it down by the numbers. Yeah, like the show's and that called. has actually been predicted for a long time now. I think for the last 10 years, people have been. Yeah, so I think um, before Trump got elected, my old boss, um, great guy, um, he's white, but he's like, I feel like this is the white people's last stand, stand of, mm -hmm. you know, um, holding on to power or something. Mm-hmm. But Maria and uh, the uh, person that she had with them is like, but if if the new minority is going to be treated as the minorities in the past, then mm. yeah, they should be worried. But mm. um, I think us as minorities, we know how it feels to be oppressed and treated badly. So I don't think that would be the thing. Right. But um, yeah, it's an interesting it's an mm -hmm. interesting thing to ponder. On the other mm -hmm. hand, we shouldn't make too many assumptions either because some of the issues that we're talking about, that social issues, that mm -hmm. split communities, right, like mm -hmm. abortion and same-sex marriage and things like that, we can't assume that minority communities are always going to vote on the progressive side right. yes. or mm -hmm. for the Democratic candidate because mm -hmm. of some of those issues. So yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And if there's some way that we can reach a meeting of the minds about these things so that we can set aside these hot button issues and vote yeah. for the greater economic good while maintaining people's private rights. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, a lot of changes <laughs> And we're going we're gonna to get a front row seat at yes. this. <laughs> Iowa. Yes, we are. Iowa yes. as Iowans. We're going to get the... the it's going to be different, of if course. If the with caucuses the, are kept, though, right. I mean, there's a big move to get rid of our our first because caucuses. of the last debacle. Because of the last debacle, yeah. I don't think we're going to have them anymore. Especially with the pandemic, how are you going to handle that? And the the caucuses are literally getting people together. <laughs> yeah, I but yeah, you can't do it virtually. You can't yeah. do it virtually. The other thing is, quite frankly, and I know that this is you know. Um, sort of sacrilegious for me to say as an Iowan, but Iowa is such a white state. Mm -hmm. And and so is New Hampshire. And why do these two, the question can legitimately be asked, why mm -hmm. do these two very white states get to dictate who's going to be the next president Right, first? get to is have that, that first. Yeah. To set the to set the tone at least, right? Yeah. It sets the tone into where people, supposedly where America's thinking. Yeah. But it doesn't have the... It's not broken down as America should be. Right. As far right. as like, it's not representative right. in, that, right. in that. Do you way. think it's the end of the caucuses with the pandemic and the f way that the caucuses traditionally would work? I, I do think that we're not going to be allowed to have the first caucuses anymore. I mean, mm -hmm. once the pandemic is over, I think that it'll go back to being the way it is. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll switch to a primary and maybe that would be better for us, actually because of all of the debacles that we had last time. Maybe mm -hmm. we should, I mean, if we don't have the first caucus, what's so great about the caucuses is the chance that people get to meet up close and personal mm -hmm. with the candidates, to be in a room. But quite frankly, my experience covering caucus meetings is that there's not all this high-minded conversation you would expect. It's just like, okay, well, we're not viable, so you come to our side, mm -hmm. please. But they're not talking about issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more just come to the party, right. uh, come to this candidate. and Exactly, exactly. A few little words said from a campaign manager, but, you know, 
not but, much exchange of thought. But I guess I'm, I think they might be done because it was already nightmarish for people. Like, I got to be there for so many hours. Yes, yes. And, that is a problem for working parents, um, especially, mm-hmm. and people who work at night. Yeah. You know, it's so there was already talk before the pandemic, like, should it even be uh, caucus? And can it just go to vote again? You know, like yeah. some other state, they vote, right? Primary, they, they, yeah. They, they have primary votes. And, of yeah. course, Iowa also has primaries, although nobody really knows about those. <laughs> the caucuses are not binding mm-hmm. um, about anything. They're just the first sense, an early oh. test of candidate strength. So, yeah. So let me let me ask you a couple more questions. Um are your career trajectory of uh, writing articles and books, you, you uh, finding book. her voice. Yes, that's right. It's all yeah. these people that you've interviewed about women, right? Yes. Uh, struggles and triumphs of women in the, in the Middle West. Yes. So is there, you know, I'm, you've interviewed politicians. Mm-hmm. Is there some uh, couple that stand out to you that you're like, I'll never forget this person that I, that I interviewed? Mm. I mean, there a lot. Let me, yeah. <laughs> let me. Well, I wish I had interviewed Trump. I never got to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've interviewed Bernie Sanders one on one. That was a terrific interview. He was very candid, and I really was impressed by his answers. And I asked him some tough questions, like about Israel. And this was before this last run, the previous okay. time that he ran. Mm-hmm. And I thought that he really. He was just extremely thoughtful and smart and progressive, genuinely. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that interview a lot. Um, I interviewed Kamala Harris, and that was a fun one. We just laughed a lot. We were outdoors yeah. at you know some fair, some democratic fair, and we were just sitting out in the sun and talking about everything from Indian food, making growing up you know with Indian values, right, right. and then mixed families. She's a great cook families. too. I've I read. Yeah, I've heard. yeah, she cooks a lot for people, and she cook. You know, one little tidbit that I found out about her that was so interesting was that she's she invites her husband's ex-wife over for dinner a lot because she's very close with her stepchildren. Wow, okay. And she thinks that there needs to be a continuum that you yes. can't just embrace the kids and not embrace the mm-hmm. their mother. Mm-hmm. So so she does that and their friends. Yeah, I mean, there's sometimes just little things that you... And previously, even from sitting in editorial board meetings, little things will catch your eye, like Howard Dean, when he was running for president. Yes. I, rem- I was sitting next to him around a table and he pulled up his foot, and he was wearing a sock, which was like threadbare. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just yeah. like most of it was ripped off, and he was kind of scratching his foot. And I thought, wow, he really is conservative financially. He doesn't buy. <laughs> <laughs> he's <laughs> using sock. those socks. Exactly, he's, <laughs> he's really getting, getting good use out of them. <laughs> or when Joe Biden, um, the first time he was running, came to meet with the editorial board, mm-hmm. um, he. Um, he was talking to us. He was holding court, and the phone rang, and he looked his phone, and he looked at it, and he said, I'm sorry, I have to take this, and it was one of his children. Mm. And he said ever since the loss of his, his wife and mm-hmm. his daughter, he has never turned down oh, taking wow. a phone call that yeah. came from a child, no matter when, yeah. you know, it or where, what he was in the middle of, and that was very touching. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a great sit-down with Michelle Obama Oh wow! Okay. before that first campaign. And she also, I just found her so lovely and charming. And I loved, I respected their relationship so much. I mean, you, li- you learn little things about how they influence each other. Do you get nervous? Sometimes, no, not no. really. If I've done my research, okay. if I've done my home. Oh, I'll tell you one funny one. Mm-hmm. I was interviewing... Um, um, gosh, now I'm 
blanking on his name, John Edwards's wife. Okay. Right? Yes. She subsequently died of cancer. cancer. Mm-hmm. And this was, I later realized, this was at a time when she would have found out that he was having an affair with a campaign, you know, right. mm-hmm. aide. And she had spoken very critically of Hillary Clinton. And she said, you know, I'm more of a feminist than she is. She had said that publicly. So when I sat down with her. She knew by then when I you sat down with her. She, according okay. to his book, because I, I read the book, not um, it wasn't by him. It was by one of his aides mm-hmm. about the timeline of all of this. She would have just found out oh, about this. Oh, okay, okay. And so I said, you know, when you say that Hillary is not a good feminist, is part of that based on the fact that her husband cheated on her and she stayed with him? And she suddenly turned sober uh. and said, well, um, marriages are very private things, and what goes on inside them is not for anybody else to you know, uh. speculate on or something So in like retrospect, that, you, you yeah. tells you that she knew by Exactly, then. exactly. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, she would have just been like, yes. I would have thought mm-hmm. that that's where this is coming from. Yeah, you know, don't just stand by your man if he's mistreating you. Um, you know, leave him. But yeah. she didn't. Yeah. So, and then there there's some others which I won't go into today. They're <laughs> salacious. But, <laughs> but yes, you learn a lot about people. And that's one thing. I feel like I've been so privileged to have a front seat yeah. um, in Iowa to all of these candidates. And it will be a real shame personally professionally if we don't get them coming through get here to come here away. i think yeah. they will i think i you think did. there's no way that they just don't because it's too much on the line they're like iowa whether we can argue if should dictate or set the tone is still doing it so they're yeah. gonna they're gonna probably be here so yeah yeah i try I'm, i tried to interview kamala harris but um they had me interview the mayor of long beach instead oh. <laughs> so they give me a surrogate <laughs> How'd that go? It was awesome. <laughs> Did you learn I much about Indian cooking and <laughs> no, families? No, no. no uh, he's the first gay uh, Latino mayor in a mayor city like Long Beach in California. So that was fun. I was nervous, but I brought nice. some a friend of mine that's a political uh, major, uh, political science major. So I was like, you ask the, the oh, questions. Right. I'm just going to... Nice. Um, Did you get to interview a lot of the candidates? No, just he was a surrogate. And I tried, but... Yeah. Um, but you know it's hard. It's not easy. So next time, um, right? yeah, next yeah, time. yeah. Next time, I'm gonna keep doing this just because I'm honored and uh, to be able to sit with you. I know we've tried a lot, so I want to thank have. you oh. for you know still being interested in speaking with me. I know we tried before the pandemic, and then it just yeah. went crazy. I know. Now it's we live in a crazy. different world. So We're gonna have to do a follow up. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so much to talk about. A part about. two. Definitely. Well, I want to. Delightful chatting with you. Yes, I had such a great time. Thank you so much. Um, and I'll be bugging you again at some point for a uh, 2.0. Sounds very good. Thanks Thank so much for having me. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Mm. All right. I want to thank Rekha Basu for making time for us. Uh, Rekha Basu is a opinion columnist for the Des Moines Register here in Des Moines, Iowa. And... Um, She's an author of a book, Finding Her Voice. You can find it on uh, in Amazon or shopemregister.com. So check it out. Check out her opinion column that comes out. And um, yeah, can I be more thankful uh, for Rekha to making time for us? Uh, and what about us? 
What about us? <laughs> who gives a fuck? I mean, who about gives us? a shit about us? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. so uh, we want to ask people to. Um, I mean, this is fun for us and it's cool, but it kind of it's a little motivator if people share it. Yeah, share this podcast. Yeah. If you give a shit about what we, you know, talked about in this podcast, then share it. Yeah, comment on it. Um, yeah, give us your opinions too. Subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. I know I said that like uh, people should like uh, take a couple steps back with their opinion. Uh-huh. Not about this. You should tell <laughs> us your opinion about this. Yeah. yeah. Tell but us about everything suck. else. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank everybody here. Uh, in the next few episodes, we're gonna start unveiling more details about a big project that we're starting. So I'm excited, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited. Yeah. Your face is like cold stone. I'm very excited. (laughs) So look out for more details. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We're signing off on the first episode of the Amna Martinez podcast. Thank you. Good night.